everybody. Welcome to Filmhouse, the movie podcast for from Funhouse. And for Funhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly it's for, for us. We mostly... It's from and for Funhouse. <laughs> this show is made for three people and uh, they're on this call. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show today. We are joined by a very, very, very special guest who we've wanted to get in Funhouse content forever. Chastity Vincencio from hey. Games. GameSpot. I that was going to be for me. Uh, I always want to say GameStop. <laughs> I, I know that's the okay. thing that probably everyone does, and I'm sorry. I was honestly I terrified it. of doing that when I first started the job, but yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't, sense. So, and I'm still working there, so that's good news. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I've been wanting to do stuff with you guys for a very long time. I mean, we've collaborated at like three E3s in a row. Sadly, there yeah. was no E3 this year, so we didn't get to hang out, our like annual hangout. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we're doing this, and I'm glad we get to talk about movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you're usually like on the carnival circuit winning prizes. (laughs) Uh, They're all displayed behind you there. Yes. Oh, right. Uh, right, uh, It took took $50 to win this Psyduck. uh, Yeah, I love all of my plushes. It's just kind of my work from home set. Uh, Adjusting to working from home. I'm like, what do I do for background? Because I didn't want like just a blank wall and I I don't want to put holes in my wall. So I'm just like, I've got a bunch of random plushes. So I put Good old Sonic and Snorlax and Psyduck and Totoro over here. Right. Listen, I love it. I'm never going to begrudge a Sonic set, but I'm just going to toss it out here. What about Toaster Oven? Oh. <laughs> toaster Oven, you know, because... Like Brave always... Little Toaster? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah Referencing okay. Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> yeah, that nightmare show. film. I get it. I, I have a I plant. It. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> ah. That's Little Shop of Horrors, but I, I, you yes. can't really see, but on, <laughs> on the keyboard behind me, reference. there is actually... There's a, uh, I'm just to say it, it's Akira uh, poster okay. art. That's pretty rad, but you can't see it because it just looks like sheet music. So, oh, well. Uh-huh. Okay. Sheet All music's right, well. cool too. Yeah. Thank you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a great setup. Well, I called you here today with a purpose, and that's mm-hmm. to talk about one of our favorite stars. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Oh, I thought you said mm-hmm. James Remar. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, we were supposed to get some hot Maverick Tom Cruise this year. That didn't happen, mm-hmm. though. No. Yeah. I Who know. knows when we'll get that? Who knows? But I, know. uh, I just think Tom Cruise is a really interesting person to examine in film and entertainment. Mm-hmm. He's had a, had a 30-year career. He's recognized worldwide, attached to several billion-dollar franchises, has had multiple high-profile and unusual romances, when he does anything, it makes international headlines. He's lifted up cars with his own strength to save babies. You has know? he actually? No, hasn't he saved somebody <laughs> that would like had a boat accident or something? I, there like were that? probably like six Scientologists behind him helping that you couldn't see because they have octocamo mm-hmm. or whatever. But I mean, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, uh, somewhere in Tom Cruise's home is a portrait of him that he commissioned, which is him hanging from a rope ladder which is attached to a helicopter reaching down to the POV of the artist. Oh, I feel like he must have something mm-hmm. like that. Cause that's how he imagines himself. He might It's very specific, but it's also very accurate. I feel like mm-hmm. maybe there's a tornado. <laughs> yeah. Other stars struggle at the box office to retain relevancy. The age of the, the box office draw star seems to be a dying thing. You know, and we'll t- we'll talk about that a little bit more because I think there's somebody. I think Tom Cruise. My hypothesis for this podcast is that he is the last movie star. Oh, okay. You, mm. you can't sell a movie anymore just based mm. on the talent that is in it. 
Okay. Oh, well, like what? Okay. Yeah. I, I see what you're there, saying. Well, okay. There is no one celebrity, one movie star that you can put on a poster and say, come because just solely because of this person. James uh, is. Say, yeah, James Remar <laughs> would disagree. I, I think it's just a, a antiquated thought to think that you can sell a movie based on a person. And, and, there are ensembles and there are IP and we'll, we'll get to all that because mm. that's kind of the, the next mm-hmm. wave. There is one yeah. actor that I think can, can maybe do that. Could mm-hmm. be the next Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll get to him in a little oh. bit. Well, but, you, already, uh, you already narrowed it down by 50%. So I know it's a he <laughs> and it might sound Uh-oh. with his first name might be James last name. Re something. <laughs> well, some of, some of the, uh, the, the top drawing box office and, uh, and earning women are Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. She's out there, and that's that's Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Blanchett, probably Lord of the Rings. That's a, that's a big attribute. And mm-hmm. Emma Watson mm-hmm. is way up there too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tom Cruise, for a variety of reasons, is still highly bankable and draws people to the movies himself. I looked at his last uh, movies from the last five to six years. And Mission Impossible Fallout just crushed. It made $800 million worldwide. Uh, the Mummy, as pr- bad as The Mummy was, it made $400 million. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked it made that much money. Right? It, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's considered a yeah. failure. But yeah. Yes, it is. This is, where we, this is where we are. Yeah, half a billion yeah. dollars. Yeah, whereas, wow. like, yeah, 35 years ago, it would have been like, four, they're like, 400, oh, my God. Made yeah. 12 mm-hmm. of them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation made $680 million. Um, Edge Wait. of Tomorrow, $370 million. So the, these, it's weird because these are the lower end. Some of these are the lower yeah. end Tom Cruise numbers. Like Edge of Tomorrow is not considered a massive success. No. But it still made $400 million. Yeah, his lowest recent film was American Made, which made 134. Which is a pretty good Which movie, by the way. Brilliant. If anyone, it's a great movie. I haven't I, seen it. Yeah, it's it's really it's good, good. It, except for the fact that it's him, Tom Cruise, and it, they. Tom, we'll probably get into this later, where we talk about his attributes as a as a star. But like, he's refused to age. Mm-hmm. So you know, you mm-hmm. can still do the things where you cast an older guy as as a younger character. I mean, The Irishman is probably the most horrific example of that. But <laughs> but like in American Made. They constantly remind you how young he is, and then they cast him up against Alice Eve, who's like probably in her late twenties. In her late twenties, and it's like it's just my high school sweetheart, and I'm like, I don't think so, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) He's finally Uh, melting a little bit in the last Mission Impossible. He's getting the jowls a little bit, but it's also like he's pushing sixty. So I think that's fight time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know, it's funny you, you do um Top Gun the the super uh sexy scene with him and Val Kilmer, you know, teeth chomping with each other like they're about the same age in that scene and then you just see the diverging path of how each one went about their lives and just how one seems to be youthful forever until somewhat recently and the other one just got bloated at one point. I mean, but, and got cancer. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that, that's there's whole... an X factor there. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, he, so this, this sounds terrible uh, and totally superficial, but Val Kilmer looks better post cancer than he did pre cancer. All right. Mm. We'll just leave that just in. Edit that. How old is Paul <laughs> yeah. Rudd? Uh, 72. Be 50, right? 
He's, yeah, he's in his 50s. He's got to yeah. be like 75. No. <laughs> yeah. He, I think he's also in his 50s. So, yeah, when I think of just stars that don't age, Tom Cruise is up there, Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. and Jennifer Lopez. I just don't understand mm-hmm. the three of them. Jennifer yeah. Lopez hasn't changed. It's, yeah. it's wild. There's a commonality between many of them, which is multiple decades worth of success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never not being in at least whatever tier they are of fame. To preserve yourself. Yeah. Money, uh, money I, and access will let you look beautiful for a long time, a.k.a. Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> <laughs> Before yeah, we get into. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just in, in Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. series she looks amazing uh, but before we get into maybe why tom cruise might be the last movie star i wanted to ask all of you your just a couple sentences on your personal connection to tom cruise james you want to kick it off my personal connection yeah to like tom how, how do how do you feel about tom cruise tom cruise let's see well, we need to find a film he was in with hugh laurie and john malkovich that's how i get back to me Oh, you mean you? You mean yes. okay? Uh, no, no. I uh, I've always really appreciated him because basically, in, with your thesis, he is just pure movie star. It's it does make me sad because it feels like he sacrificed any sort of individuality to be Tom Cruise, the movie star, for every single day of his life, for the rest of his life, for the entirety of his life. That I have no idea who he is as a person which is weird, but to watch him on screen, it means that when he is in full-blown Tom Cruise mode, I probably enjoy him more than any other actor. Just on a personal note, I have just a very emotional connection to the Mission Impossible franchise because my father was a spy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just always, I, I love the franchises and it seems like, like out of all of those, there's James Bond and Mission Impossible. I've always been into the spy genres, never was a born guy. And so Tom Cruise is the the Mission Impossible franchise is such a flagship spy film genre and film franchise that I, I really love that he's a part of it. And it's his biggest franchise. And I mean, one of the, the points we'll get to is how Mission Impossible lives and dies with Tom Cruise. Uh, but yeah, Chastity, how, how do you feel about Tom Cruise? Uh, I completely agree that I have no idea what his actual personality is. He's just become this being, this Tom Cruise, and I don't know what he is actually like. So that's a really good point. But I've watched him my entire life. Uh, I was born in the 80s, so it's just like he's always been around. Um, and he's just such a force, and he's just so captivating to watch. And I, yeah, I watched the Mission Impossible movies since I was a kid, and um, they they keep getting better and better. Those are really great. Um, he mm-hmm. very rarely takes um, supporting roles, and I think that's amazing that he can even do that. Um, he's You could probably count them on one hand. And when mm-hmm. he does, they're like extremely memorable. It's like Magnolia, mm-hmm. um, and then Tropic when he Thunder. did Tropic Thunder. Yes, mm-hmm. incredible. So like he rarely does those, but when he does, he makes them count. But he's one of the only stars that can do that that can just basically like no i'm always the star that's it Mm -hmm. and i'll do supporting rules once a decade Mm -hmm. do you remember when he dressed as his tropic thunder character and danced on stage with jennifer lopez like how can i forget (laughs) so so unreal and apparently he's also been trying to coerce her into joining scientology for decades of course that's nice Um, (laughs) of course but adam What about you, buddy? Well, you, I'm, I'm, you almost should just remove me from this podcast because mm-hmm. he, Bias. I have the, I have the most personal connection in a way. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I it's call, true. 
He's Jesse. I mean, do you know this? Do you know this story that he, Adam's yeah. going to tell right now? No. So okay, this is really fun. <laughs> on my dad's side, there's Uncle Ron, but then there's also Uncle Tom Cruise, who played Uncle Ron in the movie Born on the Fourth of July, based on the book about Vietnam. And it's like it's weird that I've never one. I never talked to my uncle. <laughs> I saw. I met him like a few times as a kid, and he has just disappeared from the face of the earth somewhere in Malibu, I think. But uh, yeah, it's this weird thing where it's like, you could always look at it and go, that's a movie about someone in my family. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, wow. yeah. yeah. And then the closest thing I have to achieving any of that was, I was in the movie girl next door uh, playing lacrosse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're, we're kind of, we're kind of like peas in a pod in that Absolutely. way. So yeah. Like cut from the same, like I can't wait Fame, to meet yeah. Tom one day at, at the Scientology <laughs> welcome center and be like, Oh, by the way, he just keeps walking. That so. that picture, uh, that picture you shared, Adam, of all of of Oliver Stone, Tom Cruise, and Rod Kovic all holding up their awards is like one of the funniest images because there is a little bit of you. It does kind of like just like huh. a weird. I mean, that's if you look at anyone's family, extended family, you can be like, I see it somewhere. But it mm. is funny to imagine you in that scenario, yeah. like celebrating with Tom Cruise and Oliver Stone. I don't know. It's a great photo. I I think I may have been a fetus when that movie came Mm -hmm. out. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, no. Do you feel like he did a good job? So similar to how you guys are talking about, like, I'll never know Tom Cruise. I don't know if I'll ever know my uncle because Mm -hmm. he, he is, I, I think he, I only knew him a little bit as a kid, but like he was fairly, you know, guarded in that, that Mm -hmm. way where it's like, as far as I've heard from other family members, like he doesn't really talk to many people and he's very kind of secluded, but obviously that's, that's, you know, that's sort of what happens. That's an after effect of, you know, living through a crazy war and being a, you know, mm-hmm. doing, doing the stuff that he does. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's, he's been that active, but um, anyway, family's weird. But what about Tom? <laughs> Chastity did not know she was watching this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, it, yeah, that is a weird thing too. Where I'm just like, I just enjoy Tom Cruise movies. Typically, mm-hmm. uh, the thing I always liked about him was he rarely works with the same director twice. Uh, I think you can only, I think there's only two that he's worked with multiple times, um, maybe three. But Spielberg, like Tony Scott, yeah, maybe. Yeah, did he work with Tony Scott twice? I forget. Maybe. Days I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Top, top days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and then Doug Lyman and then, um, uh, McQuarrie, the new guy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I always, yeah, I always thought that was really interesting that he, he rarely worked with the same director twice. Um, I mean, I would imagine it's because he is the closest thing to an acting auteur, right? Like auteurs generally you think of as being the writer or the director. It's just like, it has to be their vision. It does feel like when you work with Tom Cruise, you have to sacrifice whatever, you're going for for Tom Cruise's vision of what it is because he's probably bigger than the movie you're making. Yeah, I think Tom Cruise unto himself is a spectacle that draws people. I genuinely think that that's why he has that last movie star quality mm-hmm. where I'm not going to go see a movie just because Scarlett Johansson's in it. I like her, but I'm going to go see a movie because I know Tom Cruise is going to do his own stunts. It's going to be wild. He's going to pour himself completely into it. And he's going to be a spectacle to mm-hmm. see. And and there used to be those movie stars that they could just draw someone to a movie. You just knew that X person was the star of this film and you wanted to go see it. And that's a little bit 
of a, of a fading feature. Now, uh, IPs and ensembles are kind of the new stars. So Tom Cruise has mastered the formula of star plus franchise. Mm-hmm. And even then, big franchises now can exist with certain talent leaving them. For example, Marvel, you know, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. leaving Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's not a nail in the coffin for the franchise. But if Tom Cruise left Mission Impossible, that's I think that's that might be the end of it. Well, yeah. What's tried, interesting there right? is that yeah, he was almost Iron Man, or he yeah, he was very was close he? to being Iron Man. Yeah, he they oh my wanted gosh. yeah, he he was one of the first people they wanted to be Iron Man, and I just wonder what that would have been like. Mm-hmm. For sure, would do that, you know if he withdrew or if? Um, I think yeah, I'm not sure exactly how they landed on Robert Downey Jr., but I feel like it was a Favreau move. Um. And that he he won that mm-hmm. um, argument because he was really rallying for RDJ. But mm-hmm. um, I just found a quote from Cruz, and he said that like he um, that it wasn't that close, and he loves Robert Downey Jr. in that role. He can't imagine anyone else in it. He thinks it's perfect. And then they asked him if he was open to being a superhero, and he said that the way that he chooses movies is that um, I look at the movie and I don't rule anything out. Does it interest me? Do I feel this is where the audience would like to see me in? What can I learn and what can I contribute? And that's how mm-hmm. I choose my movies. And I feel like that's really interesting. Um, so mm-hmm. I wonder what an Iron Man, what an MCU would have been like with Cruz. More yeah, expensive. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. More expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and would it have felt like more of an ensemble or would he have right. wanted it to feel more focused to him? Well, yeah. the thing is, I mean, just without getting too much off on a tangent, it feels like what made Iron Man so good and successful was Robert Downey Jr. Interestingly, mm-hmm. they didn't go with the movie star with which whom would draw in the audience mm-hmm. they went with someone who is a pretty storied actor in his own right especially by that time but like who would then became the movie star in the film like because so much of iron man is him just being robert downey jr and just vamping and then you're like oh that's what tony stark is like they just figured it out and if it was tom cruise he doesn't really have a reputation for that like I don't know that Tom Cruise necessarily improvises other than him saying like, oh, I was only supposed to do like a half tuck when I <laughs> springboarded off of the trampoline and I went for a double <laughs> twist tuck, you know, like not that he's only a stunt guy, but like most of his most of his stuff doesn't it's feel physical. It's not yeah, like he's not doing long interviews about how much he came up with on set yeah. and you know how people played around with Tom Cruise. It's mostly his acting intensity that he varies. So. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, I guess he kind of took on the he was looking for the superhero angle the mummy. with mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was <laughs> mm-hmm. supposed to be their their weird MCU Dark universe. Thing. Yeah. And maybe he was like, that's weird <laughs> enough. I can be the Iron Man of mummy or sorry, mm-hmm. of the dark universe. But I don't I mean, there's something to be said too where an actor like Tom Cruise would hurt something like Marvel where Marvel seems to exist where you can kind of slot anyone in an actor you've never seen before, or maybe someone you're vaguely familiar with mm-hmm. filling a role. And the, the property is bigger than the actor, which probably helps them in terms of longevity because yeah, you can have your biggest star exit and the next movie is going to be fine because you have 16 other people to carry it and then build up those people over the next 10 years or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And their their strange machine that they have built something that could have been fun would have been if, and it's, I guess it still theoretically could happen, but is if Tom Cruise, we were talking, Chastity, you were mentioning how he doesn't normally choose supporting roles that often, but when he does, they're, they're really stellar. 
there's a world where Tom Cruise could fit into the Marvel universe as that. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like Matt Damon being Benicio in, Del Toro, the in, collector. Yeah, Benicio Del Toro. Part, maybe even you know? something like that is even too big. But like, you know, I'm just talking about like one of those one off oh, yeah. fun, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe enhancing moments that are like really enjoyable or even him in a CG thing. He's never like done a Cirque Andy Circus style mm, right. thing where he's kind of just been a voice. Like, I feel like Tom Cruise could be do something really wild. Yeah. Like, Tom, go wild. And then he just mm-hmm. has a crazy time. Especially because Tom Cruise isn't really taking those indie chances. He's not doing the Magnolias anymore. Mm-hmm. He does these little cameos like Chastity, you were saying, but he's not taking any indie chances or role chances. He seems to just be looking at what is the blockbuster action mm-hmm. movie I can make. Yeah, Even be- American Made felt like it was a little bit of a divergence from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but according to the numbers, the site that tracks box office data, crew, Tom Cruise brings more value to a movie than any other actor or actress. So not oh, necessarily... He's that a reverse Mark the, Wahlberg. Yeah, it's not that the movies that he makes <laughs> make the most money. It's just that he himself has a, a, added value to a property mm-hmm. than anyone out there. Interesting. Apparently. Which is probably what makes it... Uh, people have to think twice about working with him because whatever movie you're making, you now have to add $40 million to it just for yeah. his, his EP fee, his acting fee, and then, you know, his handlers and his, uh, you know, his stunt liability. Yeah. And the animal <laughs> trainers that follow him and everyone else. He, he, he does. But the, like other interviews, I mean, maybe he's also really good at his self PR, except for that one, the brief period of a few years. We'll in get there to that too. Where, where Tomcat. Yeah, we're Tomcat. <laughs> but like he sure. a lot of his interviews are in line with what Chastity was reading earlier, which is him saying, like, I, I like working on the things I want to work on. So mm-hmm. there aren't really like many stories of Tom Cruise being on set, being difficult, like being, you know, not anything other than 150 percent invested into well, the making Tandy of Newton it. Tandy Newton just had. Did you read that? The Tandy Newton article where she talked about working with mm-hmm. Tom Cruise yeah. and how he just to the point of relentlessness, he had them redoing takes of the scene. Mm-hmm. And she saw while they were doing the, the retakes, a pimple forming on his nose, like from from the, the start of it to the end of it, because mm-hmm. it was just so intense. She literally just saw a pimple develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but that's like he, the worst is his reputation as gets on set is that he cares too much, well, you know, which is like, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. Jared Leto sending rats to people necessarily. <laughs> but like it is it's just a funny flip side because you would think there would be some ego there well, like, oh he didn't want to come out of his trailer yeah but to your point about you know the jumping on the couch negative press doesn't really seem to affect tom cruise mm-hmm. his stardom doesn't really seem to be tarnished uh you know he jumped on oprah's couch he called matt lauer glib he <laughs> rallied against prescription drugs and uh you know rebuked psychiatry he, and He's a yet, Scientologist. And the, I mean, Scientology, <laughs> I feel like, is a whole other horse of a different color. Yeah. But even with just these things, he hasn't had any fallout, it seems, uh, from nice the point. audience. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. It, just, it, you would think that he would find himself looking down the barrel of a rogue nation, not prepared to go see mm-hmm. his films. Yeah. You know? I mean, someone would uh, have to become. Like- <laughs> It has well, to I mean, disappear, like yeah. initiate some sort of ghost protocol. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I just I feel like you're you're right, Elise. Like he he has all this negative press, and getting over that's like a mission impossible too. 
<laughs> Back in the habit. <laughs> when you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? I'm I'm looking at everyone but the Swiss, who I don't believe do that. But I might be wrong. I'm just kidding. The Swiss, we all close the bathroom door behind us because we don't want random passerbyers looking in on us. So... Why, when we do that, would we let people look in on us while we're using the internet? Okay, going online without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Anywho, did you know that your internet service provider like Comcast or Verizon knows every single website that you visit? And what's worse is that they can sell this information to ad companies and these tech giants. No, they are not iron giants. They are tech giants. They can sell them to them who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone, even the Swiss. I use ExpressVPN on my devices. Everyone at Funhouse does. It works on everything, phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected, even if they don't have ExpressVPN. The best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door you just kick it, you know, you, when you kick the bathroom door shut after you, that's what I do. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless other places. So if you're like us at Funhouse and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash film today. Use our exclusive link, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash film, and you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn dot com slash film. And, you know, I was just saying all that stuff about the Swiss. No, I, I, I guess maybe we've learned now, like there, there is this, there's this magic uh, PR bubble you can live in where you, you don't there's there's Catherine Heigl on one end, right? Who just shit talks anything she works on as soon as she's offset and wants to badmouth every person on it. Then there's Tom Cruise who only says the nicest things. And like somewhere in the middle, there's some controversy here and there, but like I, I liken him to like a sports game. Almost. It's always like, no matter what he's going to say, Hey, the other team tried, we're going to do better next time. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's just almost boring. Uh, and he, I think he learned that from, trying to express himself in any way and then showing up in a random Scientologist video. Well, the thing that's kind of unfortunate about it, and this, again, where this is more human condition and less Tom Cruise specifically, but it sucks because the Katherine Heigl comparison makes a lot of sense. Uh, except that when she says something like that, I'm like, well, at least she's being honest. You know, like she's being honest about her experience yeah. and maybe, maybe sometimes it sounds pretty egotistical, but she is being honest about her experience and kind of transparent about what that process was for her and what she wants for herself. And she did kind of get shit on and considered like pretty like, oh, diva or whatever for it. But then Tom Cruise, you know, maybe oh. went back to his trailer yeah. and destroyed a, a portrait and like turned over <laughs> a chair. But then afterwards he comes out and he goes like, he goes, we believed in this film. And I do think the mummy is one of the best projects I've ever worked on. I'm very grateful to what's his face for uh, for you know letting me be a part of this you know we'll see we'll get him next time and I'm like you're miserable aren't you you know yeah he's a great actor outwardly he's fairly vanilla I think Matt Lauer and Oprah might be the two examples of where 
you saw like, okay, well, this is a little bit more of a manic side of Tom Cruise. Well, you know what happened, right? He he fired his oh his publicist, his manager oh. or whatever, and then replaced oh did with his sister, his sister, I think. Mm-hmm. And and so like basically it went from someone who is like, oh, we have your career's best interest in mind to yeah. hey, you just be you, Tom. And then we got to see probably what it's more like to be around Tom Cruise for a few short years yeah. and then um, got Yeah. yeah. It's Chast- interesting. Chastity, have you seen Going Clear, the Scientology? No, uh, I haven't. It's a ride. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of there's Tom Cruise footage in it and mm-hmm. they talk a lot about or not they, they, but um, outside of that documentary, Leah Remini has talked a lot about her relationship with Tom Cruise and experiences mm-hmm. and about how once he freaked out because he couldn't find the cookie dough that was on the counter, but everyone was scared to tell him it's, it's right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. And he apparently asked the like Will and Jada Pinkett Smith to play hide and seek on, on, at his mansion. Um <laughs> And wow. and all this like all this just like yeah they're unusual stories. So to me the worst part is that you know you look at the relationship between him and his ex wives and their children, which seems estranged. All you know either he's estranged from Surrey or Nicole Kidman is considered a suppressive person to his to their children apparently, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like that all seems fairly sad. But to me the the takeaway from that is Tom Cruise has this this cult of mystery around him. Which I think some of the it just it's just it's such a it's a it's a star thing I think to have this kind of weird eccentricity to you mm-hmm. and he definitely has that yeah yeah I sure. think people are fascinated by it and just want to know more but he doesn't give much to work with and I think people had just for years for decades have just been just so mystified by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you go to yeah. his movie to try to get a glimpse. You're like, maybe I can get a sliver of what's yeah. happening inside Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> or behind the scenes. But I know plenty about Ethan Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Well, he seemed to regress after they realized the internet was a thing. So like when that Scientologist video leaked and it's like, it's that weird, creepy, like almost like Tim and Eric Crimbus video almost of him like, <laughs> you know, talking about what's, his, you know, people were like spoofing it and stuff, but like, and then him doing the Oprah thing, they probably thought, ah, eh, it's going to air once who cares. But then it's like, no, this stuff lives forever now. And so mm-hmm. he probably went into this mode of regression of like, well, now I have to be super, you mm-hmm. know, uh, conceal guy conceal everything, which yeah. yeah, adds that, that extra layer of, I need to know more about Tom and what goes on in Tom's head, but you'll never know. Mm-hmm. You'll never get the, you'll never get the full Tom. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird because he hasn't really, like you're saying, like he's kind of regressed. He hasn't really evolved. His When you look at his movie choices, he's not like his. he's taken big chances with his career, it seems. or that He's, he's playing trying it safe to, right now. Which yeah. Which is like, does he need to? He's, he's a multi-billionaire, right? He's an executive yeah. producer on all these yeah. movies. So it's like, it's not like, it, it's just, it's just ego at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And other, other big stars that maybe were, box office draws once like adam sandler they're moving to streaming they're moving to premium Mm -hmm. cable networks making uh you know these prestige shows for them i think tom cruise wants to make big movies i i feel like there's probably something about him he loves being on a set with a ton of people in it in an airplane hangar 
you know, thinking about how tomorrow's the day he's going to be jumping out of a plane. And not to say that those movies don't exist on streaming, but like, you know, Adam Sandler's deal is very different. You know, he's he's like, I want to go. I My requirements for a movie are to have my friends there. I want to be with my friends Rob in a Schneider. place that's nice. Like that, and that's that's his criteria. And not, I, I don't. He never told me this personally, but this is my observation: is that it seems like he's like it's got to be. You know, I want to have a good time. I don't want to be stressed out, and it's got to yeah. be in Greece. Yeah. My <laughs> biggest exposure to Adam Sandler these days is that he'll do stuff with Conan O'Brien every once in a while, mm-hmm. and it's just because and they're neighbors as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess they have more of a friendship in relation. And Adam Sandler, well, Adam cluster. Sandler's always talking about. He's like Coney. He's like, I go by his house and I yell up, Coney, mm. get out of here, Coney. Want to touch the Coney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just my, my like uh-huh. window into Adam Sandler, who does seem like a genuinely nice mm-hmm. guy. Uh, yeah. And maybe just, like people but, do like to joke on his movies, but I think he might deserve his success. But t- it seems like Tom Cruise wants to work. He wants to do that big stuff like every single. Remember when they were like, I mean, I, I really like those Mission Impossible movies. And so when uh, when. Rogue Nation came out that Christopher McQuarrie was like, Tom is already training the next stunt. Forget him hanging off the side of a plane as it's actually taking off. The next stunt Tom is already training for. And it's like, what are you talking about? And then it ends (laughs) up being he wanted to do a barrel roll in a helicopter, you know, like so we had to write it into the script because but I think he likes those like big what am I actually working towards? Again, it kind of goes back to that that interview quote you read earlier. It's like, like, what am I working towards by doing this film? Because I probably don't need the money, you know. No. I probably don't need the money. I just want to. Be- I just want to see something on screen that convinces me that I could do that. Well, don't they want to make a movie in space movie. or something? Like they oh, keep trying to move ahead with that. Mm, maybe. That, that's they keep Fast and Furious it, is going to space. <laughs> maybe. Yes, but, definitely. I mean, there's, but there's no traction in space. What will the cars do? <laughs> I don't understand. But I, that, that, that to me is like in Tom Cruise's mind, he's like, if I'm going to die, it's going to be making a movie in outer space. And I will be remembered forever as the first actor to pioneer space film. Go for he it. Wants Holy to die shit. doing the best stunt there ever was. Which is, I, I mean, I feel like the, yeah. the, the Red Bull guy did it already. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that guy has a name, but he's forever known as it's the worst sponsorship he ever took. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well oh. uh, anyway, yeah. Is there Felix anyone that can uh, challenge Tom Cruise in the regard as being the last movie star? I think there's one person who can yeah, do it. I thought of one person when. When you were talking earlier, who are you thinking of? I mean, I think it's the person. Oh, you're okay. Thinking of too. Uh, well, the person I was thinking of is Dwayne the Rock Johnson, mm-hmm. who has made the transition from wrestler to international film star. He blows it up at the box office. Anything that he's involved with, uh, you know, Fast Five made six hundred twenty-six million. Furious Seven one point five two billion. Fate of the Furious one point two four billion. Journey to the Mysterious Island three hundred thirty-five million. G.I. Joe Retaliation even made $376 million. Rampage, $426 million. Jumanji, $962. Like, these are just massive numbers. He is um, the highest paid actor in Hollywood right now. I mean... Yep. Mm-hmm. He has his own production company, which gives him just some nimbleness, so that way he can kind of organize his projects at his own whim. He's got a pretty untarnished image as far as celebrity goes. Like, there's not much dirt I think you well, can... Well, I don't know. 
Oh. What about when he was the people's champ? Okay, and then all he right. turned on all of us. Yeah, when, <laughs> when he went you know, corporate. Yeah, Man, <laughs> those are dark times. Corporate champ with Vince McMahon. Mm. He's actually a celebrity that engages with their social media pretty regularly. Um, like my biggest question, I guess, is you know, given that not all of these, but some of them are are definitely franchises. Like you know, Fast and the Furious is reliant on a franchise. I would say Jumanji is kind of a, a ensemble piece. Definitely The Rock is the biggest Jumanji, piece of was that. Was it an ensemble piece? I mean, it's Jack Black, it Harry Gilliam. Yeah. But yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, made yeah, it yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, because sure. they're game characters, they're interchangeable and they could possibly switch them out. Yeah. Well, I, I, do we have, I guess Mission Impossible is kind of an ensemble now, too. Because so. Welcome to the Jungle made almost a billion dollars, but then... What was it? The second level or whatever the, the other one the that came level. out. Yeah. The next level. I don't. I wonder how much that did because that was an interesting scenario where they swapped. They brought back the actors, but they mm-hmm. did swap the characteristics of said actors to Different be in line. Yeah, and I don't. I I didn't see it, but I didn't hear as much positivity off of the film as I remembered from the first one. And I don't know how I again, I don't know how much it made. I'd be curious if there is like an aspect of it. Well, we want to see the rock doing the rock stuff. And when you make the rock be because well, who is he? Danny DeVito or something in that? Like who? I don't remember who he's supposed to be. Um, You're right. Yeah, it's like it's like, well, I don't want that. No, I want the rock to be the rock, which is interesting because Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise, you know, and that has shown to be a successful formula for him. It grossed eight hundred million worldwide right. well, against a hundred twenty-five million budget. What do wow. I know? People love uh, Danny DeVito Rock. <laughs> yeah, I, I think though the Rock also is the the Tom Cruise box office draw is a is a a relic, right? It's never really going to happen again because that was it was such an eighties mentality of you're going to go see a Tom Cruise movie. It's Tom Cruise. And so many of these movies now, I think also as almost a safety measure are ensembles so that they can fall back on these other actors in case something happens mm-hmm. where one of them asks for too much money and you, you get into that sort of Marvel situation. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they probably learned all this from the power Rangers when they tried collective bargaining and they said, ha we can replace you easily. Well, um, they only had three of them was the problem. For power oh, Rangers. they didn't, they didn't, they, didn't they weren't go, all they on like, board. Oh, I didn't know that. No, they should. Yeah, that's oh. why they only changed over three of the cast members. That's why Ooh. we lost Zach, Trini, and Jason. But the rest of them say they were not a united front. Oof, not that's like the Friends cast. Not like the Friends cast. Yeah, we learned from the Friends cast. Thank you, David um, Schwimmer. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard to say because yeah, I feel like The Rock is uh, another. He is one of those people where it's like he's probably very easy to work with and he is bankable. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's it's that one to one. The, the the type of Tom Cruise thing I don't actor I don't think exists anymore and some people are like, like Chris Pratt I'm like eh I, I don't think he he's as picky with his roles I think the entertainment industry just in general goes through these phases right mm-hmm. and so we've it's a cycle and we've we've been this medium has existed for long enough that we can see the cycle of it's a bunch of studios trying to maximize their profits and so they always look at what's happening now and where they're losing the most money and then they try and change something to flip it to try and maximize the profits. It used to be the golden age used to be, it didn't matter. Like it, you, you, it, if you had Scarlett O'Hara or whatever, like didn't matter necessarily what your movie was about. All those rock Hudson, all those, well, like all those, uh, you know, 
uh, horseback riding. You know, those were all it was the the actor's name. And then it was in whatever movie he made this month, you know, and it didn't matter because it was, you know, you knew it was going to be their genre and you knew it was going to be that actor. and It's going to be everything like that. Then it kind of came out of that. And then it wasn't necessarily in the brand IP world that we live in now, but it was more of a, oh, well, we're trying to build these movies. The movies should make the money. It should be the story that's making the money. And that that's what caused a lot of directors and writers like to become empowered. You saw the Francis Ford Coppola's and like that whole American Zotrope thing happen. And uh, and so then but then from there it's kind of we've spun back around to movie stars of the 80s and 90s arnold schwarzenegger leading that charge tom cruise leading that charge and then it seems like now we're going back where studios are more interested in brands they want mm-hmm. that that brand identity because then they don't have to worry like adam's saying they don't have to worry about negotiating yeah. well with in stars. tom cruise's case though it's it's singular actor plus brand you know and yeah. not many singular actors can pull that off where well, it's just just you it used to be because it used to just be Tom Cruise. Now it's Tom Cruise plus brand, which is like that's as far as they've managed to budge him. Yeah. Right? And I think we'll see what happens because his his upcoming projects include Top Gun Maverick, which is an f- existing franchise. Mm-hmm. Live, die, repeat and repeat. <laughs> is that really the title? Or Are is they that, really? Is that an IMDb, IMDb Are they doing that it? I made as a joke? Yeah. <laughs> it's his it's rumor. Terrible name. Um, <laughs> Mission Impossible 7 and 8. Uh-huh. Uh, the yeah. only, you know, non-IP is there's a movie Luna Park which he's attached to where a group of astronauts go to blow up the moon or something. He's going to space. <laughs> he's going, he's doing, ironically, he's that's there. the one they're not shooting in space. That will be done in Georgia. Yeah, where it is cheap. there's a <laughs> there's a untitled Tom Cruise slash SpaceX project. There it is. Um, oh, that's the one. He wants to die. He wants to die in a rocket. But so yeah, all his upcoming projects are, for the most part, tied mm-hmm. to IP. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think see. I would also say. That, that quote from earlier is very it seems like that's very telling and it all seems to add up i would say tom cruise the tom cruise that he has presented to me seems like the time kind of tom cruise who would say i don't want a blemish on my record mm-hmm. i don't want anyone to be able to point at an oblivion and say tom cruise can't make bank so i'm not going to pick any movies that i don't think with whether or not it's the brand and me or whatever can fail because I hate the idea of seeing a movie not be a Oblivion huge... made $286 million. I know, but people point at Oblivion <laughs> and say, oh, it's one of Tom Cruise's lesser successful films. It's an indie it's not, film. It's not like, it's not that good. And, you know, it's like, it's whatever. But like, I think he hates that. Yeah, I, I wonder how he that... feels about Lions for Lambs. <laughs> hell is that? anyone feels about lions <laughs> he did like a supporting role in that and then he basically just didn't do supporting roles after that except oh. with the exception oh. of tropic thunder which he shot back to back with that oh well, i didn't know he was in that there was yeah what is the rock and rock opera rock of, ages. Uh, rock of rock ages. ages yeah which is like another one i think he hates those i think he hates when they don't succeed and i think as he gets older he knows that his star power is is waning or is at least not as bright as it used to be i don't think he wants to make anything other than something that's going to make like half a billion dollars at the box office that's my my psychological analysis of him and he's you know ascended to the level where he can be at that picky about his projects Mm -hmm. and and he's pickier about projects than other current high grossing film stars like um Mm -hmm. sam jackson will will do anything but he is (laughs) the highest grossing worldwide gross film star Mm -hmm. he's 
his worldwide gross is like fifteen point six billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. Because he listen, will do any movie that you throw at him. Yeah, yeah listen, Sam, it's it's a commercial where that I'll do it. What is it? <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. be there. Got yeah. it. Yep. Uh, what else can I do that day? I'm 86 mm-hmm. years old. What I'll I'll be every yeah, I'll penny do another, counts. That's yeah. that's what that's what he says to his manager every single day. They talk on the phone yeah. at 8:30 a.m. He goes, "Listen, every penny counts. I'll be I'll do it. I'll do it. I haven't offered you anything yet, Sam. I, I will that. do it. I get it." You have $500 million liquid right now. You can spend on whatever you want. You can retire right now. Never have to work another day in your Every life. Every penny. Oh, make me counts. Nick Fury. I want to be, I want to be the you glue are- that holds this monster together. <laughs> and yes, you can use my likeness for the comic book because I'm insane. It's actually the flipped. They, they did it the opposite. My final yeah. opinion on Tom Cruise is mm. that regardless of how the industry is shifting in terms of ensembles and IP and streaming, I do think that Tom Cruise has enough of worldwide recognition behind him. He's got enough of this sort of like mystique and interest in his private life. And just he's he's still a mysterious figure that people are interested in trying to get to the center of Tom Cruise. And he brings the spectacle with his stunts. And like you were saying, he just keeps trying to top himself. Mm-hmm. And so people are interested to see how he's going to top himself. And I think he's still, I think he's still up there. And I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, 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 I Mission Impossible films are like some of my most anticipated mm-hmm. films. Like I, I'm not in and up to speed on the Fast and Furious franchise, but what most of those fans describe about <laughs> your mouth dropped open, but most of most <laughs> of what so those good. fans describe is like how how excited they are for the next one is how I feel about Mission Impossible. You know, I just can't wait to see how they do this over the top yet still somewhat grounded universe. Is that you, Chastity? Same you energy. A- yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I love the Fast and Furious franchise, but I but originally I did not like it because I wasn't into car movies. And then when it just became an action series and kind of like over the top, like just outdoing itself constantly and just became not a joke, but just a superhero mm-hmm. franchise, basically. Mm-hmm. That's when I started getting really into it. So like five and onward. But then like I fell in love with Tokyo Drift and just like look back on it fondly now, oh even God. though mm-hmm. like when it first was released, I was like, what what is happening? But uh, that theme song slaps. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's a great film. I just love the series. And now I'm just like fully invested. And I'm really excited for um, the next installment, which they smartly pushed all the way to like April or May of next year, mm-hmm. which seemed sudden when they did that like four months ago. I was like, what? And like, yeah, that works. But hopefully mm-hmm. we get to see it. It's just it's Chastity. weird because. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was question. just going to tell Chastity that Tokyo Drift's the only one I've seen. It's great. I wonder if you know <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna watch one. That's the one to watch. Sorry, I just oh no no I was just saying it's it's weird because the way it used to be was you'd make a hit movie in the Tom Cruise era and then you do a sequel after sequel after sequel and just run it into the ground until eventually it was just like Death Wish Seven or Dirty Harry Five mm-hmm. and it's like it's just straight to tape or like it was in the theater for a weekend maybe mm-hmm. and now you have the eighth fast in the fear or ninth fast in the furious movie about to make a, you know, it's going to make a billion dollars and it's, it is weird what it's transformed into. It used to be, you would just get less mileage and now you're getting more. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like I did, I didn't, I thought mission impossible would be over by now, but yeah, yeah. it didn't, it wasn't an upward trend. It was like 
one did well, two everyone shit on, three was just mm-hmm. like when it first came out, people were like, I don't know, this doesn't feel like Fast and Furious. And then like it was a return to form once they hit five, and then it yeah, went back they up. Pushed, they pushed so like through, yeah, they pushed through Robocop three, which most people don't push through <laughs> Robocop three. They do a reboot at some point. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. you know, you don't use the same actors. It is weird. But yeah, it's 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 yeah. weird that all these franchises have got around that. I guess maybe that's just a learning yeah. experience. And there's less stigma for an actor to say, yeah, I'll do crime time six. <laughs> you know, it, just, it, it doesn't feel like you're subverting your own career mm-hmm. to, well, to do that. Probably because a lot of the actors know how to negotiate better to like be like a producer on it. It's more, it makes more sense for Vin Diesel to want to be in the eighth Fast and Furious movie when he knows he's going to get a piece of the... 900 million dollars that it makes you well know? i'm just saying more of the it would be career suicide to say that you would appear in the fifth installment in a franchise because there was the expectation that oh this is going to be terrible oh yeah you yeah know? yeah for sure like what that would look well, like you know that's the same with fast and furious right it's like vin diesel was like i'm not coming back for two i don't want to be known as the fast and furious yeah. guy you know real man but or, then <laughs> i'm the driver like, yeah he, i mean he basically was like i'll build my own and then but then ultimately it seems like the brand power won out and and that was not necessarily because the brand existed alone mm-hmm. it's because the brand recognized what it needed i i like elise have only seen fast and furious one and fast and furious three but i have seen three <laughs> 16 times so i feel like i'm pretty well informed on it but even that movie is like, oh, well, we're going to we believe only in the value of the brand. And so the studio made this movie. But the reaction was was what Chastity, what you were describing, which is people going like, I mean, I guess this isn't a bad movie, but this is is this Fast and Furious? Is it really Fast and Furious? And it wasn't until they kind of came back around and they said, well, what if we kind of believed in the brand and said this move, this franchise can go wherever we want it to go. But we also acknowledged where it started so we get the cast back and then kind of go in that direction that i think it really kind of like rocketed to space no pun intended it's not in so. space yet that wasn't even a pun. they'll end yeah. up in space they're they going to, to space well thank you all for weighing in on tom i'm just at the cookie dough story was the one that got me it's right there tom Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to tell you. <laughs> yeah. compared to all the other uh controversies out there it seems so low on the uh, the totem pole of caring, this You're is not like well, finding cookie dough. Yeah, oh, sorry, I, I said that wrong. <laughs> it's on the top of my list of things that Thank upset you. me. <laughs> Maybe like me, your morning routine has changed a lot recently since we've been quarantining, uh, and perhaps that's even impacted your oral care. Seventy five percent of us are using worn out bristles that we don't change enough, and we're forgetting to floss daily. Which is why you can fix this by having your oral care delivered to you straight to your door which you can do if you use Quip, which I do, and I think you should too. So let's talk about brushing our teeth, because good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to brush and floss better. The Quip electric toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute routine, and there's even a size-down version designed for kids. I know that I don't brush long enough, so having that timer really, really helps. If you pair this with Quip's anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon, mm, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need and none that they don't, so no harsh chemicals or anything like that. 
Quip also has an eco-friendly refillable floss with a dispenser you keep for life, an expanding string that helps to clean in between. So you don't have to buy disposable floss and then trash the cases when you're done with it. You just refill and refill. The Quip brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5 each. So you don't have to remember when to swap out your brush. Quip tells you when it's time for a refresh and helps you stay committed to your oral health. And shipping is free. So you can also join 3 million happy customers. I am one of those. And practice good oral care easily and affordably with Quip starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash film right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash film. Q-U-I-P dot com slash film. Because it's Quip, the good habits company. Thank you, Quip. Chastity, I know, consumes... More movies and TV than like anybody, which for me, as someone that also consumes <laughs> Only a lot it's of my movies, job. <laughs> oh, uh, mine too. It's my job too. You can like your job. It's okay. I do. I do like my job. There you go. Uh, but no, I, I think you have great taste, Thank and you. I am wondering if there's a show or a movie that you would recommend to our audience right now that you're really See, into. You just told me I had great taste and now I'm about to recommend The Faculty to everyone. <laughs> yeah. And you've confirmed your taste. You have Man. officially confirmed it. That is a great Thank movie. Thank you. It is a fantastic movie. It holds up really well. Uh, Robert Rodriguez directed it. If you've never seen it, it's from 1998. It's got a bunch of people seen that it. went on to be more famous, um, including random cameos from the likes of like Salma Hayek and um, and then uh, the first host of The Daily Show, John Stewart, was a teacher. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. It's it's so much fun to look back upon and watch. Like Usher was in it as well. And uh, Fem- yeah. Femke Jensen. Famke Johnson, yeah, Tom she Kim. was in that. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's only streaming on DirecTV, unfortunately, but you'd have to rent mm. or buy it. But I really, really recommend it, it's especially if you just missed it, but you loved um, horror movies in the 90s and teen movies. It's just the mm-hmm. perfect amalgamation of both of those things. And I think that's why I like it so much, because I just yeah. love 90s, late 90s movies, and I love teen movies of that era as well. And that was just like the perfect one for me. And it's a I lot of fun. It. It's really campy. I didn't miss it, but I'm going to rent it. Yes, mm-hmm. please. <laughs> We're going to do a faculty um, Alita Battle Angel double feature. Amazing. Amazing. Same universe. I think Same that's universe. the DVD pack they're pushing right now. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, you can I would buy that. Yeah, it's, it's, it was either going to be faculty or Once Upon a Time in Mexico, but I get them together, Alita and the other one. The only two I mean, movies this director is known I, for. I do have my Desperado. How dare you? How kidding. dare you? That, that's me. I know How more about Robert Rodriguez's life. I can make you. those jokes. I can do that. He sold blood to make I, El Mariachi. Okay. Yeah, he, he sold it, blood. You mock his book more than anyone else. The I don't mock his book. I just read it and I was like, oh, this would be really interesting. And there's one point in his book where he's talking about struggling with writer's block. He's, he's got all this hype from El Mariachi and they want the next big thing out of him. And he's, it's, I think he's working on Desperado at the time. And they gave him an office and a studio. And they said, we just want the next big thing from you. We love, we love your stuff. And he was lucky enough to have uh, um, Quentin Tarantino had an office on the same lot. And one day he said, you know what? I'm going to go talk to Quentin Tarantino. He seems like he's always writing. And I'm going to ask him how he's doing. And then he and then he gave me this is Robert Rodriguez speaking. He gave me the best on advice on writing I'd ever heard in my whole life. End chapter. Next chapter. 
I finished Desperado, and I was like, "Why did you didn't tell <laughs> me what the direct writing advice? You didn't tell me what he said. You didn't tell me what he said." Because I'm not going to give you my tips, idiot. <laughs> I mean, he really wasn't. But yeah. yeah, you bought my book, moron. I don't know. Yeah, he. It's I, a great book, Robert, otherwise. Robert Rodriguez is like a YouTuber before YouTuber in a weird way. He was this sort of like jack of all trades, master of none, where he could do a oh, bunch yeah. of. So, yeah. um, I always, I recently rewatch it, but you watch his cooking videos that he did on, uh, once upon a time in Mexico. It's, mm-hmm. it's great, but it's cut oh, yeah. like a YouTube video. And it was like, yeah. he's like, I'm just going to do this in my house. Where am I going to upload this to my DVD special features? And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he was almost born in the wrong era, but so much of what he did set this, maybe we do a Robert Rodriguez episode in the future. Cause maybe I love yeah. Robert Rodriguez. I, uh, chastity. I, yeah. I'm down. I think the faculty is the number one recommendation, but mm-hmm. do you have anything else? That you'd want yeah, to um, I yeah. would definitely recommend watching What We Do in the Shadows on Hulu if mm-hmm. you have not yet. Uh, both seasons are so good, so fun, so absurd, and uh, I dare say just as good, if not better, than the movie. Yeah. Um, which is a kind of a hot take. I mean, like, obviously, they knew what they were doing. They had really good comedians in the movie, but they've just... they've perfected it and into what they wanted it to be and to become and it's just so funny Mm -hmm. it's a breeze to get through as well Mm -hmm. so i definitely recommend that but yeah i'm kind of watching everything i'm always watching star trek the next generation i know you are constantly (laughs) i want to figure out i want to figure out a star trek gameplay or something you could do with us if you want i think it'd be fun i would love that um and then my last weird plug will be for a terrible movie, uh, Tammy and the T-Rex, which is now on Showtime oh, yeah. and Shudder, uh, mm-hmm. which has Denise Richards and she's dating Paul Walker, whose brain gets implanted into an animatronic dinosaur. And it's I, fantastic and weird and just one of the most fascinating things I've watched all year. Hmm. I feel like that movie always gets like midnight showings at places and Alamo Drafthouse will do yeah. screenings and stuff. Yeah. I've never seen and, it. Yeah. And if you've seen it in the past and haven't seen it since like 2019, then you should go back and rewatch it because they did like a gore cut, like a, a scarier, like, uh, yeah, just like the full form of what it should be because they tried to take what it was and make it into a PG-13 movie to get people to see it. And it just wasn't the version that it mm-hmm. should be. And now the gore cut that they have on Shudder um, and Showtime is perfection. It's so campy and a lot of juicy practical effects. And it's just so much fun. It's so dumb. I love it I so always, much. I always get it mixed up with Theodore Rex starring Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> if and you were to recommend Theodore- one over the other. Yeah, which one's <laughs> better? Seen, and- I haven't seen the other one. <laughs> I've only Wait, seen Tammy and the who, T-Rex. Who's, who's in the movie? I've never seen Theodore Rex, but I've I saw the poster Theodore a lot. Rex. Yeah. Well, I, I put a link for you in the Discord so you can Thank you. Can you. Oh, because it's like here. T-Rex. I get it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. if I recall, the poster for that movie said starring Whoopi Goldberg and introducing Theodore Rex, like as though he was going to start appearing in <laughs> yeah. other films. Like, Thank God they gave he's that like actor a shot. He's got, his, he's got his sneakers and his, his cool jacket or whatever on, yeah. and they're leaning against each other. Great movie. Great movie. I've never seen uh, it. But, oh. I've been re- well, we've been rewatching a lot of older stuff, and we rewatched Child's Play the other Ooh. night, and mm. which, again, like in the vein of, you know, kind of outdated effects or like mm. campy I mean, but child's play like i do feel like holds up in the writing department i guess so i for some reason thought i would gain new insight into that franchise going to rewatch the first one again because like a lot of those horror movies is like no but go go rewatch the first yeah. friday the 13th it's a completely different kind of movie but the first child's play is pretty much they pretty much 
figure out exactly what that is right from the start, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. Hmm. And you don't I, really like it has the guy Ray or whatever, like it opens with him as a criminal and it's like he's the Night Strangler and he's getting away. I don't know what any of that means. And then he falls into a toy store, finds a doll, and then just immediately starts chanting in a satanic language or voodoo or whatever. And then he's the doll. And I'm like, that's an interesting origin story. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Night Strangler on the run, finds a doll, becomes doll. Even weirder, though, I remember the mom is like, I need to get this doll for my kid. Better go down to the docks. And there's like a bunch of <laughs> like creepy homeless dudes around a barrel. And then she's like, hey, that doll's being weird. I better go back down to the docks and talk to the guy who sold it to me. Yeah. I remember yeah. as a kid just being like, is that what mom does when I ask for a, a toy? I'm yeah. Like, yeah. like, I remember it's how popular the Cabbage Patch dolls were, but I don't think anybody's yeah. parents were going to like alleys no. to buy them. Yeah. No. Forgot to save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, Skanky Ray, uh, I need a, I need a new cabbage patch for my, for my four year old, and he's like, I got gotcha. you, mm-hmm. I got gotcha you, good. Come I back here behind need. my car. Yeah. Uh, the thing I would say to watch is the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Yes, mm-hmm. completely agree. Mm-hmm. I, I heard great. it doesn't have much Lovecraft in it. It's a name oh. only. I I, I, that's what I heard. I haven't, I haven't seen it it's, yet. It's got some. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's all I'll say. <laughs> Um, it is. It's yeah. on the. It's an adaptation, right? Of a book or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. What, you want me to recommend? I watched Drive yeah. again. It's on Netflix. Oh. I just wanted to watch the Dri- opening wait. because mm-hmm. Drive or Driven. Drive. The Ryan sure Gosling. Sure wasn't Driven. I'm positive it was. Mm-hmm. He didn't Driven. Right. He drove. All right. And okay. I just <laughs> I just wanted to watch it for the beginning with the the soundtrack and that opening. And did you like, watch the whole thing? Ended up just sitting and just watching the whole thing because I was yeah. like, oh, this movie holds up. It's really still really freaking good. Still, Sylvester Stallone's great. <sighs> Different movie. <laughs> Thanks so much for <laughs> joining us, Chastity. Thanks for uh, having me. I hope we can get you to do more like the Star Trek Please. gameplay yeah, because you are would be our. Well, actually, we should make Chastity and Matt Peak uh, compete to see. The, oh, Star Trek. Yeah, though Maybe. I feel like she, she would destroy him. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I actually know more about Star Wars than I do about Star Trek, but I just have very specific loves within the Star Trek universe. What's mm. the opposite of a humble brag? Because I think you just did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find more of you on social media or YouTube? Yeah, um, you can definitely check out the things that I make on YouTube at GameSpot, uh, where I cover all movies, TV, anime, things like that with my team on GameSpot Universe. So that's youtube.com slash GameSpot Universe. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chastity underscore V. Awesome. awesome. I like. I always like your takes. And I like seeing the, the stuff, the movies and TV shows that you tweet about because I'm like, ooh, got to add that to my mm-hmm. list. <laughs> Faculty now being added. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I think. Oh, Adam, what was that? I was going to say, uh, Faculty is great, except Harry Knowles is in it. And that's okay. Other than that, it's yeah, aged for really like well. like a second. Just a second, and that's because he knew the power of the internet, and he needed to get ain't it cool news to say nice things about the faculty. And that's our show for this week. <laughs> we almost got away unscathed. Special thanks to James Remar. <laughs> He's back. He was in that movie I was in. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Adam, you don't talk. <laughs>